The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Second and goal for Iowa. Weissman, big hole, touchdown! Excellent job by the Hawkeye lineman. Good job of pace and tempo by Rudock at quarterback. Resets the line. You talked about the offensive linemen loving to run block, and they took a great deal of joy in that one, opening up a huge hole for Weissman, who scores his second touchdown, and he now has 118 yards rushing and is averaging close to six yards per carry. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have the second of our two weekly Reporters Notebook segments in this podcast. The show features Scott Docterman, who looks ahead at the Hawks' road game against in-state rival Iowa State. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and the Cyclones' Paul Rhodes. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly shows, which include Brent Balbinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporter's Note Book podcast this week with Susan Dank, as well as Brent Balbinat's Press Box Report. The Iowa-Missouri State game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Steve Fiziak and Danon Hughes. A good job calling this game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Hawkeyes head coach Kirk Ferentz talks about his team's problems with penalties in the first two games. You know, typically, not always, but typically penalties are, are you know, just not concentrating hard enough, not paying close enough attention to some details or uh, being mismatched physically. Sometimes those things uh, happen. And uh, but a lot of times it's just concentration, bad judgment, or or being mismatched, or lazy. You know, sometimes guys are lazy and grab instead of you know use their legs. So you know, but but it's we're just not we're not going to win games consistently playing you know the way we did Saturday. We had uh, and we took one one penalty intentionally, but we had nine for 95 yards, and that's that's just not going to cut it. And it hasn't been an issue, but it sure was Saturday. And if it continues, it'll be an issue. So we we have to correct that, and that's that's everybody. That's coaches, players, everybody doing a better job. Penalties or you know mental errors, things like that, just they, they kill momentum. You, you cannot have momentum. You can't have tempo. And in some cases, they really affected field position. Yeah, those are those are really really bad things, and and you know, good winning teams typically don't. I, I've talked about penalties before. It's it's not always important to be at the top of the penalty rankings, but you, you probably should be at least in the top half, because uh, you know you're gonna have some aggressive penalties too. That sometimes you know 
it's just hard to, you know, it's hard to win football games. It's kind of like turning it over, too. If you turn it over very often, it's hard to win football games. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's just the degree of difficulty keeps increasing. And what we did Saturday was just, you know, we're, we're not going to win doing that. It's just not going to work. Ferentz was asked to assess the play of his new starting quarterback, Jake Rudock. So far, so good. You know, I think he's uh, doing a lot of good things. Again, like everybody else, there are things he can get better at and, and do better. And um, we'll expect him to continue to improve. But his attitude's been great. He's he's seems to be very aware. This is the first time he'll be on the road. First time our team's been on the road, so it's going to be a new experience, and this is not a, an easy environment by any any means to walk into, so it'll be another degree of difficulty uh, from the challenge standpoint, but yeah, really really pleased with a lot of things Jake's doing so far. Kirk talks about the development of his defensive line. We're playing mostly with six right now. Meyer's giving us like seven and auxiliary seven and, and doing some good things, so I, th- I think that group's improving. We're making progress, and uh, we're further along the road than, than last year at this time probably, and that, that's encouraging. So you know, it's just a matter of keep keep getting better, and we have to do that every position. And Ference discusses the Iowa-Iowa State series and its importance. Well, I think it's a great, uh, certainly a great series for the entire state. Yeah, and I'm not saying everybody is paying attention, but there are a lot of people in our state paying attention, uh, people that follow college football. And the unique part about it is, again, we're, we're from two separate conferences, which, you know, there's a lot of great rivalries around this uh, the country, but uh, I don't know how many there are uh, of this this category where you have two conferences represented, so it makes it a little bit more unique. And uh, it happens early in the season, which you know a lot of the things uh, those rivalry games take place in later in the year. So yeah, it's all good, and it's it's you know whether we're playing here or there, it's going to be a great uh, guaranteed to be a great environment. At least it has been the last 15 years. And uh, so if you like college football, it's it's really uh, it's it's a great thing, I think. <laughs> Next, we hear from Iowa State head coach Paul Rhodes, who talks about his team's preparation for the Iowa game following the opening loss to UNI and an unusual bye week. We had good practices. We had good preparation. We had uh, great attentiveness from our kids in, in tents and, and uh, hopefully got a, a jump on the University of Iowa in our preparation. You, you come back to work. It's it's one of, of 12 regular season games, and uh, this season in particular is longer because it's starting on August 31st, so it's a, whatever it is, 14, 15-week season with, with a bunch of open dates and so forth, and you, you, you just keep working. You, you, don't, you don't pack up and, and shut her down. Rhodes was asked whether the NCAA should make it easier for athletes to transfer and how coaches try to help their players through stretches of adversity. It would be awful. It would be awful uh, because you'd have so much more of it and and, and the attrition and, and depletion of, of rosters and, and having to overcome that. And, and uh, uh, you know, any time uh, you have a veteran squad that you practiced and, and, and prepared and, and improved and developed over time, um, you're going to have a better squad, and, and when you, with having transfers and guys going in and out and having to replace more bodies, and, and that's that's what would be the case if, if the if the strings were loosened on it, you'd, you'd have more uh, transfers. That's that's just plain and simple. Adversity is something you start teaching from from day one, as soon as you get them on campus, and 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 how to overcome that. And a lot of people are responsible for today's student athlete being different than than you know 
uh, this many years ago and that many years ago, and and uh, but they they still want to work hard and they still want discipline and regimentation. As long as you give them that, uh, they they tend to conform to that. So it's it's uh, uh, the inner workings of the program to make sure things are built that way, the culture is that way, and and it's a strong foundation. Rhodes talks about his starting quarterback Sam Richardson. Sam's probably the guy that needs uh, the most improvement of anybody in our team. I think that's something that goes along uh, with the position, and, and uh, he's, he's doing that. The, the fact that his numbers were good, you know, high completion percentage in the 60s, and he threw for good yards and protected the football and all that, hides the fact that there are a number of things that he can do well, and if your quarterback's doing things better, your whole football team's playing better. Sam realizes that and, and uh, has approached his preparation with that in mind. And Rhodes shares his thoughts about this year's Iowa team. They're a very good football team. You know, they, they come off a of victory now and have uh, renewed confidence and, and uh, confidence and, 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 and excitement about what it is that they've been working on and, and uh, the changes and additions to their program. Uh, you always feel better coming off a win, and, and so they'll have great preparation and great practice. Uh, their linebackers are outstanding players. Their, their offensive front uh, can play with anybody, and, and the quarterback, I, I think, really is doing a nice job of, of running that offense with great composure and and he can throw it, he can run it. Uh, I would compare him to Sam Richardson, and, and the people probably don't give him enough credit for, for the athlete that he is because when he takes off, he really takes off with the ball. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on, up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet! Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporter's Notebook shows with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks ahead at the Iowa State game and more. Scott, before we turn to Iowa State, any closing thoughts on the Hawkeyes' win over Missouri State last weekend? Well, I thought it was a really a, a dominating performance for Iowa. I mean, to rack up you know, 500 yards, to to run the ball 50 times to just really dominate Missouri State, you know, between uh, the 30s was was pretty much the way the game went. The problem with Iowa is, and this is what it has been, some of the issues is finishing drives. Uh, they get stalled inside the five. They twice were past the 40 at Missouri State and ended up having to punt. And um, those things are killers. And and not against a team like Missouri State, where it was really a couple of miscues were the only reasons why Missouri State scored. It was more about, again, punching through on third down, getting that first down to get close enough to score finally. Um, you know, you had a, you know two quarterback runs for touchdowns, things like that that you really don't want to do. You want you want to have, if not a big play or two, you, you want to have sustainable drives that culminate in touchdowns. And I think that's one thing they left a little bit on the table. That said, I've seen a lot of improvement out of this offense, but uh, you know, as we know, that'll be tested here in the next, uh, certainly in the next game and then you know and then of course the rest of the season turning to the 
the Cy Hawk Trophy game here. Iowa State's coming off a home opening loss against UNI and then a bizarre kind of thing by week in week two. But the Clones have won the last two games in the series in completely different fashion. Iowa, on the other hand, has won three out of the last five. Talk about just overall your sense of this game. I know last week in the show you indicated you thought an Iowa win against the Missouri State Bears would set up a very important game in this series. This is uh, this is going to set the tone for both teams the rest of the season if they lose. And that is, you, that's why you'll see both teams come out with a lot of intensity and a lot of desperation. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what the year is, you want to win this game. I mean, the players themselves regard the other as their rival, uh, their key rival. Um, some of the fans differ a little bit on that, but the players uh, look at this as their key, their key rivalry game, and uh, that's something that's important to win no matter what you're talking about. However, when you start looking ahead, for Iowa, a loss would keep the negativity swirling in the fan base. Uh, you know, that would be, mean they're, what, one and eight over their last, uh, you know, X number of games, nine games, and right now they're it's kind of a aggravated fan base, and I think you want to win. You want to give your fans something to, to celebrate and cheer about and kind of look more positively at the program. For Iowa State, a loss really puts them in a, in a spot where they can't get out of when it comes to trying to get back to a bowl game. Uh, losing two home games, losing to your two in-state rivals, your fans are, their fans are going to be really upset uh, because then they got to go on the road to Tulsa, which beat them in the Liberty Bowl. They've got five Big 12 games on the road. So this is really an important game for the rest of the season for both programs because it's going to be hard to sell a loss for the rest of the way and, and that's why I think you're going to see one of the most intense games in the season history. One of the themes that seems to be running through this entire week and even before last weekend's games is this sort of sense of apathy, for lack of a better term. Certainly going into Saturday's game, at least I'm not sensing that kind of intense feeling that this uh, annual game usually generates among the fan base I'm talking I think that's indicative of how they feel about the program at large more so than, than the actual game itself. You know, again, last week when you had, uh, you know, close to 7,000 no-shows at Kinnick Stadium, I can't remember the last time that happened. I think it was 10 years ago or somewhere like that. And 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 that's the way that the fans are starting to feel about the program. It's not so much about Iowa State. And what that, what that means is the program is going to have to give them some reason to cheer, some reason to get excited again because uh, right now it's kind of a stale atmosphere. Um, and if, if Iowa should lose this game, it's only going to get worse. I mean, playing Western Michigan at home is going to is going to slow it all down even more um, than playing on the road at Minnesota. So I think right now what you're looking at is the culminating effect of losing the last six games last year, losing to a MAC team this year at home. And Iowa fans just kind of saying, okay, I, you know, you went from the passionate, we love the Hawks, to we're mad and angry at the Hawks to I'm starting to not care about the Hawks, which is the most dangerous attitude you can have in sports. Uh, we saw it with basketball over a number of years, and uh, you know, so that, that's why I think there's maybe less intensity and less interest among the fan base for this game as usual. But that said, uh, I, I think when the game kicks off, it's going to get it's going to get pretty interesting. Cyclones come in with a spread, fast-paced offense, dual-threat quarterback Sam Richardson, who's got a little more experience than Jake. 
it's sort of an interesting side note is both the starting quarterbacks for these two Iowa teams are from Florida. Talk a little bit about Iowa State's offense and the stress that can put on Iowa's defense. Well, it is kind of a spread style offense, which is what we're seeing more and more these days. Sam Richardson uh, was a guy that we'd heard a lot about a couple of years ago when he was a red shirt, and uh, that's when they were kind of going through the steel Jance and Jared Barnett rotation, if you will, at quarterback. So he's a guy who can throw it, and he's a guy who can run it. Now, that said, he's got a, he sprained his ankle against uh, UNI. He's been in a walking boot, and now he's going to try to uh, you know guide a, a team like this. Uh, it, it, that could be a challenge for him. Up front, they are they're a little green. Their center is hurt. He's out, and that's that's a real problem for him. So they've got a, a you know a sophomore named Jameson Locke, and that might be a little bit uh, different you know for for them, especially going up against somebody like Carl Davis. They've got a little bit of veterans on what they they kind of flip their tackles and, and guards. Uh, they call it strong side, quick side, uh, and it's based on formation, field position, and not just left or right. So they do have a couple of veterans, but then they also have some real inexperienced guys starting on on one side of of the offensive line. So that's going to be a challenge for them to establish anything. That said, they've got three really good running backs, and they've been around for a long time, and they've all been in different situations where, you know, James White, of course, scored the game-winning touchdown against Iowa two years ago. Chantrell Johnson might be the the best of the backs. Uh, He's suffered some injuries in the past, but, uh, you know, he's a real good quick-twitch guy. And then Jeff Woody, I don't think when he gets done with college, he'll ever have to buy another beer in Ames because of his touchdown against Oklahoma State a few years ago. Uh, But they're very, very young on the outside. They've got a banged-up tight end who's very good, but yet he's semi-injured, and that's uh, Ernst Brun. So um, it's kind of a mixed bag you get with their offense. Um, you got some, the guys who you think could carry them have been injured, and then they've got a lot of youth. So uh, they didn't show a whole lot of good things against Northern Iowa. However, in the game like this, this is a different game. This is a game where legends are made for all the weirdest reasons. We've seen it in basketball <laughs> with Fester Rhodes and, and, steel, and football with Steel Jance, and, and uh, anything's possible. The Iowa defense blitzed quite often, more so than we've seen for a long time against Missouri State. Do you think they'll try to put that same kind of pressure on uh, Richardson? I think so. I think they need they need to establish some sort of pass rush. I mean, they've they've got one sack, and I'm not sure you can even really call it a sack in two games. They had their weakest total last year. They need to get something to, to spook uh, a, a quarterback because letting them sit back in the pocket all day and find the open receiver is how they've gotten beat before in this series and then in other games in the past. So they need to generate some sort of pressure. Um, I expect there to be to have more blitzing. You know, they've they've done that again with James Morris did a little bit of that, Anthony Hitchens. Um, and then they've put guys on, you know, linebackers basically on the edge to do something. I think they'll do some of that. They're going to want Richardson to stay a little bit in the pocket, but how does that ankle injury affect him? That's going to be interesting because if he can't run the way he normally runs, then maybe you, you want to make him move a little bit because his quickness won't be there. So I, I do expect a fair amount of blitzing from Iowa, but I also expect them to try to say, okay, fine, well, you, you're going to gonna have to beat us um, throwing the football. And uh, and so I, I don't know that you'll see as many blitzes as you saw last week, but you're going to see a fair amount. Iowa State racked up over 400 yards against UNI, but let's talk about Iowa's offensive production, although the scoreboard doesn't seem to match the stats necessarily, but Iowa's running an offense that's exclusively no huddle through two games, was very fast-paced against Missouri State. They ran 86 plays against the Bears. They ran 80 the first week against uh, Northern Illinois, and Jake uh, Rudock 
is showing some ability to run, get outside, and, and gain some yards. He's also spreading the ball around quite a bit. Ten receivers last week, uh, nine the first. You know, this is a this is an interesting offense, and I'm still trying to get my own read on it because it's just such a different blend between Kirk Ferentz's power running football and uh, kind of a quick-paced fat passing game under Greg Davis that's kind of stretched the team out you know, from sideline to sideline. The amount of plays was impressive last week, um, 86, and they got almost 500 yards of offense, you know, 300 running the football. I mean, it was just an incredible week from that perspective. I, I am intrigued on how they're going to do in a game like this if, let's say, they have a lead in the fourth quarter. Will they can still continue to, to go at 15, 18, 19 seconds between snaps or even faster, or will they slow it down and do what they need to do to win the game? That, that to me, is the great the great tug of war, if you will, between a, a Greg Davis and, and a Kirk Ferentz, because Kirk Ferentz is all about, okay, you get in the front fourth quarter, you got the lead, slow it down, win the game, period. And then Greg Davis has a style of keep going, uh, run them down with that pace, and, and there's some advantages to that pace, but um, which is if you got the defense on their heels, they're huffing and puffing, just keep going at them as fast as you can, but but then again, if you don't milk the clock when you do that, so um, I, I I'm not I, I don't know how to, to describe it right now, other than it looks better than last year. But in some respects, I want to see what it can do against an Iowa State, against a Minnesota, before I really start to say this this offense is back because I think they looked good at times last year, but their last week, but just all at the wrong time. Can't happen anymore. Um, certainly starting this week against Iowa State. Iowa did show some vulnerability to Missouri State's three-four defense, and it's blitzing, especially in the first half. They made some adjustments with double tight ends in the second, pretty much solved that. But you would think that based on that game film, the Cyclones would come at Rudock as uh, often as they could. Now, I think that's definitely what's going to happen. And they're a blitzing team anyway. They're going to see what the 3-4 did, what kind of challenges that presented to Iowa's offensive line, and they're going to come after them because they understand that's the one way to beat Iowa from, from a defensive perspective, which is put a lot of pressure on a young quarterback making his first start in a hostile environment, and it will be very hostile to Iowa. It'll be loaded with Iowa State fans who do not like Iowa. Unlike a lot of other Big Ten schools where they go there and, and they like their team, they'll boo the opponent, they hate Iowa, and uh, they're going to hate Jake Rudock. So um, they're going to throw a lot of pressure at him to try to see what he can, what he does. Second of all, what a lot of blitzing does is it stops the run, and uh, that's what Iowa does best. So they're going to make Rudock beat him with quick decisions um, and one-on-one uh, -on -one with his, the wide receivers. The wide receivers have shown really not much so far other than dropping passes and not really making any big plays. So we'll see what this brings because I think that's going to be the one way that Iowa State can stop Iowa is force Jake Rudock to make a quick decision, the wrong decision, maybe make mistakes, and uh, and Iowa's receivers not being able to get, get open you know, very quickly in their routes. So uh, I, I expect a full amount of blitzing on a lot of different plays. Now one of the wild cards at Jack Trice Field is the weather in Ames, especially the wind, which can, you know, Iowa's gone up there a couple of years recently where the wind was a major factor. You never know quite what to expect with respect to that, but that would have a major impact on the passing game of both teams, let alone the kicking games. They very well could. I mean, you know, again, you still have two 
two pretty young, you know, two pretty young quarterbacks, two you know inexperienced or unproven wide receiver cores. If you get the wind whipping up there, you know, I'm not so sure Jake Rudock's game is to throw it hard on the outside. Um, that usually means you're going to try to run the football. And for Iowa, that's a strength. For Iowa State, has three really good running backs, so that could be a strength. So you know, they could shake it up either way. But I really think uh, I think this game's going to be won and lost based on how Rudock handles Iowa State blitz and how the offensive line picks it up because I think Iowa has a little more talent than Iowa State as usual but you know how they're able to handle that could be the difference between winning and losing. Your keys to the game both sides of the ball and your prediction? Uh, as I mentioned just now I would say offensively it's how do they handle Iowa State's blitz. They're going to come after them. This is not a team with a lot of with the, the linebacking core that they had last year. Uh, this is uh, Jake Knott and uh, AJ Kleiner in the NFL, and for a reason, they were really good. So I think what they, what Iowa can do, picking up the blitz and setting the tone on offense. I mean, the, Iowa State gave up 228 yards to a five and six FCS team. That's almost seven yards a carry, and almost and almost seven and a half yards per play to, to you and I two weeks ago. I think that's something that uh, Iowa can take advantage of if they can handle the things that they're throwing at them. Um, and then as, as far as defensively goes, I think what Iowa needs to do is get pressure on the quarterback. Keep him inside the pocket, but get pressure on the quarterback. If they can do that consistently, they'll probably cause some turnovers, and I think that they'll be able to stop the run effectively. So those, to me, are the the real reason, the the two factors that really could uh, tilt this towards Iowa. Um, All summer long, I was thinking I'm never picking Iowa in this game again. I've seen too many issues, and yet I keep coming back to Iowa and thinking Iowa is the better team. To me, I think it's it's clear. It's more about if Iowa makes too many mistakes, that's how they'll lose, not that they'll get beat because Iowa State was much better last year. I've got Iowa winning a fairly close game because I think uh, I, I don't want to pick a blowout anymore, uh, but I, I have Iowa winning 26-22 to go to 2-1 and one on the year. That is good news. That is good news. Rudolph has his pass intercepted, and it will be returned for the touchdown. Reed Bentley. Outstanding athletic play by Reek Bentley, the six foot, 210 pound redshirt freshman. And I was just about ready to talk about the efficiency of Jake Rudolph not making many mistakes. He was 17 for 23, 175 yards. Prior to that, it really looked like he forced it into an area where there were two defenders. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. (laughs) 
Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.